Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, the mayor's Twitter game has left some people wondering about what message he's sending. TSA has been finding a whole bunch of guns at the Pittsburgh airport. And a local sports hero is the newest face on the Wheaties box. It's July 14th, the Friday News Roundup. I'm Mallory Falk, and here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. I'm with CityCast producer Maria Carter. Good morning. Hey there. Yeah, and special guest, next Pittsburgh columnist, Tony Norman. Hey, good to be here again. Good to have (laughs) you here. Glad to have you back on the show. Tony, I know you are interested in talking a little bit about communication from the mayor's office. Yeah, what piqued my interest uh, was a scathing editorial in the Post-Gazette about a week ago about uh, the mayor's communications office and the fact that the mayor has consolidated all communications under him and as a result has missed some pretty big opportunities to communicate uh, the administration's and the city's perspective on important issues and that is starting to look very partisan, very political. Mm. You know, at a time, let's say when the Bowers verdict, you know, one of the biggest trials in Pittsburgh history uh, had taken place. There was a verdict. Yeah. And this is um for the man who killed 11 worshipers at Tree of Life, Dorchdash, and New Light congregations back in 2018. Uh, he was found guilty. Right. It took more than half the day, or at least half the day for the mayor's office to comment on it. He was quicker to comment on Taylor Swift coming that weekend and declaring Pittsburgh, Swissburg, you know, (laughs) and and basically doing a whole uh, slobbering over the fact that, you know, the the biggest pop star in the world was coming to Pittsburgh. Yeah, it is a big deal. But when you have such a monumental verdict, the fact that, you know, a mass murderer waiting for trial for, for years, we finally have a verdict, and but we don't have a statement from the mayor's office that started um, PG and and, and other and, and in fairness and other folks saying what is wrong with the you know the values um, uh, the priorities of this administration when they can't they don't have a prepared statement about the conviction, but there seem to be some scrambling. Um, for the, you know, the mayor's office to find its voice. Yeah. And I mean, part of me is like, oh, I'm sure they pre-scheduled that Taylor Swift tweet. You know, it's very likely that they did that. But as soon as that 
tr- uh, that jury like went in to deliberate, they probably should have canceled all their scheduled tweets and uh-huh. you know been ready for that to happen. You know, because I was thinking if those two tweets were just switched, it all would have been okay. Yeah, that's I I remember kind of seeing them back to back and feeling like that was in a little bit of poor taste and then kind of paying attention to the timestamps and realizing it was even worse (laughs) than it first appeared. This is an administration I I think in general is is a compassionate administration, but they're not particularly adept or fast on their feet um, when it comes to um, responding to the events of the day. And sometimes they seem a bit callous and just sort of um, maybe uh, indifferent uh, to public perception. Yeah. You know, I, you know, my experience has largely been in another city in Kansas city and the current mayor there, I still follow him on Twitter. He's very responsive, maybe too responsive on Twitter sometimes, but he engages people. And I think, you know, it is a way to make sure that the mayor is involved in the city to use social media that way. And I feel like a lot of what comes from the Ganey administration is really, you can tell it's from a communications team. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think they're doing, they, they, they try their best. And I think the fact that um, they have a new press secretary, Olga George, who I've, I've known for, for decades, she's really good. And I think she's going to bring an injection of professionalism and timeliness um, that I think is much needed. I, I think that this is an administration that just needs to to, to learn how to talk to the press because the honeymoon's over. I think the honeymoon <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. between um, Mayor Ganey and the press and the city is over. Well, one of the other points they really made was just kind of the consolidation of everything into yeah. the mayor's office. And, you know, I, I know even uh, other cities I've covered, like in Kansas City, the mayor's press secretary was different from the city's person. Like they they separated it out. That's a good point. Like and then the city person would often send you to a departmental person, uh, you know, a spokesperson. And so like having people with specific knowledge does matter in how that information can get out there and get translated and also the timeliness of it. Yes. Um, yes. When you're a reporter. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the one other thing, like we've definitely heard some frustration about getting, you know, quick communication responses from the mayor's office. But we've also heard that there are like a bunch of positions that haven't been filled. Yeah. And so we actually decided to look into that ourselves. Props to our host, Megan Harris, who's on vacation right now, but did a little bit of research beforehand, looked around on the city's website and there are dozens of vacant or expired positions in the city, people who represent, you know, important decisions made by things like the Board of Appeals, the City Planning Commission, the Gender Equity Commission, the Parking Authority. And some of these boards are more active than others, but they all kind of take on important functions of the city. Mm. You know, not all of these positions like rotate free at the same time. Different boards have different term tenures. And so it's the kind of thing that you just have to stay on top of because if you don't, stuff kind of stops happening. Yes. And, you know, and when you see stories like that, uh, it, it does not bode well. But you, you, you think, well, you know, maybe maybe the, the city is taking its time and finding the, the absolutely best qualified person, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, we're getting into you know where we've already passed the one year mark, and you yeah, know, we've moved into 
you know, we're now in the one and a half year mark, I believe, or maybe even more so. And uh, and we're starting to run out of excuses. I mean, the fact is, is that these positions need to be filled. Um, uh, you, you, you can't have the acting secretary or departmental head or blah, 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 <laughs> doing, <laughs> doing all this. There needs to be someone who can who says the buck stops here. Well, and I think like, you know, wanting to get the right people on these boards and like fairness and equity, too, is a big thing. You know, like when I, I, I hate to keep on bringing up Kansas City in this conversation. That's really <laughs> annoying. But that's where my experience lies. Even, even though we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. To quote a movie. But there was uh, the Women's Foundation there did a study of the boards and commissions in the government. And, and I think in the whole region. And they found like only. Only at that time, it was about 10 years ago, only 20% of positions, I believe, were filled by women. And they they launched an effort at that point to really get more women on these boards and commissions because their point was, is often that's a launching point for, you know, politics. You know, people are on, yes, it's the tree board or, you know, a planning and development thing, but that might be the road to a city council position or mayor later on. And, you know, so it's important. And it's also important to have diverse voices on these boards and commissions to begin with, right? Exactly. And I believe the mayor, uh, who's on the progressive side, you know, of the political spectrum uh, and is seen as a progressive ally, uh, is really mindful of all of these things and, and wants to make sure that the appointments are in accord with his um, his political beliefs, mm. it, it might just be a matter of bureaucracy. He doesn't he hasn't conquered the bureaucracy yet. He was you know uh, a state representative prior to his position, and just doesn't have an office that has its its arms around the mechanics of city government. Yeah, city government, and so so there's a there's a certain amount of that. I guess so. I guess maybe a year and a half, two years, training wheels is to be expected, but, you know, it can't go on like this. If, if the perception is, is that he just doesn't know what he's doing, that's just going to kill him in the long run. Yeah, and it's not great for the city either, right? Does not inspire confidence. <laughs> Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch. We'll mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. So everyone, uh, earlier this week, I saw 
an interesting story and one that just kind of like shocked me. Uh, the 22nd gun so far this year, we're like at about the halfway point, was confiscated at Pittsburgh International Airport, which really puts us on pace for a record year for confiscations Oof. at the TSA checkpoint. Part of me is like, how is this even happening? Can't get through with a fancy bottle of lotion, but... Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, we confiscated a 22nd gun and, and 3,251 guns nationally. Yeah. I mean, so you think about all those people who are showing up at airports all across America uh, with guns, 90% of them loaded with one bullet in the chamber. And it's like a matter of... Um, Oh, well, it's just a short flight to Chicago. I mean, what's the big <laughs> deal? Or, uh, oh, I, you know, I just forgot it was in my handbag and whatever. And it's sort of like, it's horrific. I mean, you know, these are people who, if they're not smart enough to realize they can't take a gun on a plane, they're not smart enough to realize that if someone leans their seat back on them on a flight and they get into a conflict, that they can't, like, shoot the person without depressurizing the plane. Yeah. And, you know, they're not smart enough to realize that they're endangering hundreds of people per flight. You know, the other thing is if people are being honest and they truly did forget and it was a mistake, it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in what kind of a responsible gun owner you are. If you don't remember, you got have this gun lying around in your carry-on bag. So either way, there's a real cause for concern. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know, like, Growing up in the Midwest and uh, having done a little bit on some gun shops in different places, like oh, in Kansas, uh, yeah, again, again, let me talk more about Kansas. I, they, I'm sure they have these in Pittsburgh. I haven't looked into it. It's not where I shop regularly, but like they make purses with like gun compartment so you can have it there for you in your concealed carry and it looks like a nice designer bag. I do think a lot of more people than you might think have guns in their backpack or their purse. Well, and I wonder if if we're setting kind of records for conf or on track to set a record for gun confiscations, is that dovetailing with like a rising number of gun owners yeah. in the country? You know, saw all this reporting about gun purchases really going up during the pandemic as, you know, more people are feeling paranoid. So what like what is kind of the larger national trend this is pointing to if more guns are showing up at TSA? Good question. I mean, like people should really check because you're going to get a big, big fine <laughs> if you do show up with a gun at TSA. Like it's a $3,000 fine is a starting fine. If you've done it more than once, if it's loaded, it goes up. You can it, it can go up to $15,000. And depending on the jurisdiction and whatever, like you can be arrested. Um, I mean, that's a potential terrorist right there. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be suspicious of anyone who, who brings a gun to an airport, you know, and, and not have it checked into their regular bags. Because, you know, if, if they, and I think the point was made earlier, if they are that thoughtless, you know, they do not deserve to get to their connecting flight on time. They deserve <laughs> to be interrogated. There needs to be like a, an official statement somewhere that says, we caught this person doing this. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they have to be arrested and booked and and, and taken to the county jail, but there needs to be a, a deterrent. I mean, 
Another thing that just makes me nervous, I feel like it's become a trend where reporters kind of see what they can sneak through security checkpoints. And I know one time my mom got a steak knife through TSA. Uh, She forgot she had it in her backpack from a picnic and just boarded a plane with a full on steak knife. And so, you know, 22 guns have been confiscated, but no steak knife. Are we certain that TSA has found them all or might one accidentally end up on the plane? I mean, if you're caught with a gun on a plane, that's a major, major offense. You're like, right. That's a federal crime. You're going to jail, uh, prison. So you're lucky kind of if you got caught at TSA, I think, <laughs> by comparison. Yeah, that would be preferable. But And then we've seen all those videos of people fighting on planes because you know, they don't get a, you know, a, a second vodka given to them or whatever, or, or someone leans their chair back too much or whatever, and, and it'll be full out brawl. Or someone brings a child on a plane. How dare they? Yeah, we've been lucky as a nation so far that it hasn't escalated to shoot them up, knock on wood. I truly hope TSA is catching all of the guns. I, I'm, I'm all for draconian measures when it comes to this. <laughs> <laughs> Throw the book at them. Lock them up. <laughs> all right. So do we have any Wheaties fans in the group? I eat the breakfast of champions. <laughs> yeah, I eat these from time to time um, for social political reasons, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, how does this contribute to uh, our social sociopolitical landscape? Growing up, you know, appearing on a box of Wheaties really said something about the values of of America, the values of, of, of people, uh, especially when uh, we were coming out of really difficult times uh, in terms of um, racial equality, uh, social equality, and so forth. Um, I think it was 1952 that Wheaties, the Breakfast of Champions, began putting Black people on the boxes Mm -hmm. of, of Wheaties, which was a real big statement because, you know, you would have you know, little white kids across America eating their the, the breakfast cereal of cereal champions, and, and and seeing you know a black baseball player. Yeah, it was the Dodgers catcher uh, Roy Campanella was the first black athlete on the box. Yeah, and, and retroactively, you know Jesse Owens, you know, because that in its own way signaled a social acceptance that was. Uh, not easy for other institutions in America to do, but it paved the way, you know, it's like, ah, but they're safe enough for a box of cereal. What else are they safe for, et cetera, et cetera. To the point uh, where today it's, it's, it's almost ubiquitous in terms of champions. Yeah, you know, I bring I bring up Wheaties because if you pick up a box now, you're going to see a familiar face on there, a Steeler T.J. Watt. Yeah, you're going to see Steelers linebacker, uh, linebacker T.J. Watts and and his um, brother, you know, a defensive end J.J. Watt with Houston, and and so it, so they're splitting a cover, and it's like I don't think I've seen much of that before. I think there was um, U.S. Olympic team once was on uh yeah and and maybe women's soccer team olympic soccer team yeah they put some teams on but this is the first family affair the first time brothers are sharing the the box together right and that's fairly significant and they should both be very proud of that that honor um 
And I, I, you know, I like that. I like the fact that their the tradition continues. You know that Wheaties is 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 making statements about again about American values and and, and so forth. That it isn't just the glory hogs that get it. It's not just <laughs> people who win the one hundred their one hundredth gold medal in the Olympics. It's it's, it's people who <laughs> just really you know represent good fundamental you know, uh, sports values. Yeah, for anyone who's like not super familiar with the Watt brothers and especially with TJ, because he's our local guy, um, what do you think got them, landed them this cover? They were a New York Times clue fairly recently, crossword clue. So maybe that helped. That's step one. Exactly. So I was like, who are these Watt brothers? I looked them up and they're both really impressive athletes. JJ, who's the older brother, he's won the AP Defensive Player of the Year three times in Houston. And TJ, who's younger, so he's got some catching up to do. He's won it once for the Steelers, and they're both heavily involved in charitable causes. They work to help people after Hurricane Harvey. And our boy TJ, he's involved with all the hospitals here in town, and he regularly visits patients. He also uses money from merchandise sales to donate to kids who need professional care that their parents can't afford. So that seems really sweet and just like a nice thing to do. Yeah, that is really nice. Let's not forget the athletics. They're generational Hall of Fame caliber players, but they do seem to have hearts of gold and, you know, have good family values. And to me, it definitely seems like they're worthy of being on a Wheaties box. That's pretty significant. Yeah. I ended up doing a little uh, deep dive on Wheaties history Ooh. just because I was curious like how this even became a thing. Did you know that apparently Wheaties actually came to be by accident? Um, there was this clinician who spilled bran gruel onto a hot stove and it turned into these flakes. <laughs> you know, I'd weirdly listened to a whole podcast about the cereal industry. <laughs> wow. So I had heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Some niche interests here. <laughs> like, they make a podcast episode about everything nowadays. You learn a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So created by mistake. And then the part that I loved the most was, I guess, like, sales weren't that great. It was maybe going to get pulled off the shelves. And then Wheaties created what people believe is the very first radio jingle. <gasps> wow. Um, in 1926. And I actually... They commissioned um, a barbershop-style quartet to sing about it, and I actually pulled it up if you all want to hear. I do want to hear it. Sure, yeah. Have you tried Wheaties? Their whole wheat with all of the bran. Won't you try Wheaties? For wheat is the best food of man. They're crispy and crunchy the whole year through. The kiddies never tire of them and neither will you. So just buy Wheaties, the best breakfast food in the land. There you go. Let's see <laughs> chat GBT steal something like that. <laughs> Can't be done. Wow, Wheaties... I like that Wheaties was an innovator, you know, the radio jingle. So who would you, if you were on the, you know, Wheaties commission, what Pittsburgh athlete would you like to see on the cover next? Pittsburgh athlete. Oh, wow. I'll tell you what. I would put 
any member of the pirates on a Wheaties box. If, if we could even get <laughs> to the finals. Like, are you talking <laughs> World Series or just the playoffs? I'm just talking about the playoffs. At this okay, point. okay. Like the wild card there. game? Set a realistic goal. <laughs> like wild card game even. Wild card game. Like, okay, okay. You know, anyone who could make us a contender. But I mean, yeah, I mean... Huh. Who, who, who? I, I don't know who. I, I can't think of. No one comes to mind. No one with that kind of charisma and and so forth. I mean, maybe past players. You know, people. You know, who are are dead or something. I. <laughs> but they've already been on the Wheaties boxes. Yeah, you know? yeah. So you know, I can't think of anyone current that I that I really really love. Huh? Was Roberto Clemente on a Wheaties box? Oh, good question. I would assume so, especially at, yeah. after his death. Oh, yeah. Here we go. You can buy it on eBay for $119. Okay, good, oh, good. yeah. Thank God. <laughs> if he wasn't, I was going to say we start the campaign right here, right now. And he was also on a commemorative cornflakes box. Oh. That's, that's more affordable on eBay if anyone's interested. Okay. I don't know what the, like, serial equivalent of egotting is but he's on his way <laughs> maybe yeah it says that I got sorry there you go <laughs> Tony Norman is a columnist at Next Pittsburgh. Tony, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. You know, thanks for waking me up. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. The team this week includes Megan Harris, Maria Carter, and A.K. Almumen. Francesca DeBecco, Natalia Aldana, and Adrian Gonzalez wrote and edited the newsletter. Our music is by Benji. I'm lead producer Mallory Falk. We'll be back on Monday with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend. I mean, you know, usually it's Olympic champions and uh, sports champions and that. You don't you don't see a whole and lot podcast of- champions. <laughs> well, I think we have to wait. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Someday, Tony, you and me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>